0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We are in a series called What Happy Couples Know. So, what do happy couples know? They know that over time, hopes, dreams, and desires become expectations, and that what happens when we hand them off to someone else often becomes difficult for us. What was meant to become enjoyable becomes transactional, which leads to negotiating, And what happens when that happens is usually the best negotiator wins. And the problem in a relationship where the best negotiator wins is when you win, we lose. Or if I win in the relationship, we loses. Sometimes it's the intangibles, the things that you haven't thought through that are on the emotional, relational, or intangible side of things. When you think about the future, happy, successful relationships, you think about The fact that you want to be respected, you want to be desired, you want to be admired. We want to be cherished and protected and defended. We want to be trusted. We want to be prioritized. In other words, you don't want to have to compete with his car. He doesn't want to have to compete with her job. You want to be pursued. You want to be attracted to. Happy couples know that in order to keep hopes dreams and desires from feeling like expectations You have to make a decision and the basic decision you have to make is he does not owe me She does not owe me. Yes, this is what I desire, but I'm not going to expect him or her to do this And then last week Kyle talked about what is probably the most powerful relational dynamic in the entire world He talked about mutual submission in a Christian marriage specifically It is a race to the back of the line. In a Christian marriage, it is submission competition. Everybody is trying to put the other person first. And if you argue, the argument is over, how can I put you first? As opposed to, how can I get to the front of the line? Which is what most of us are doing in most of our relationships. You see in a mission in a submission competition whenever it becomes a tug of war over expectations and desires and wishes and dreams happy couples know that in order to win the only way to win is you have to drop your end of the rope because in dropping your end of the rope you put yourself at the end of the line and it's a scary thing to go first but happy couples know that you have to go first in order to be last and in order for both of you to win in the relationship. So today, what do we do? What do we do with our hopes, dreams, and desires? The good news is this. Peter tells us, and Peter was one of the original followers of Jesus, he he knew what it was to be with Jesus, and Peter knew what it was like to face extraordinary hardship. So Peter tells us exactly what to do with all the things that are in our hopes, dreams, and desires box. And he gives us a relational principle that is not specific to marriage or it's not specific to romantic relationships, but it certainly applies to those as we are about to see. But first let me give you a warning because Peter says something that is a little different and to be honest it's a little weird. And what Peter says may be uncomfortable for some of you. And what he says may sound so religious that you may... Just struggle with it enough that you want to just turn him off entirely, and I would caution you not to do that. But instead, I want to invite you for just a few minutes to put your objections to the side and listen to the words of a man who knew Jesus. And besides all that, the alternatives to what Peter suggests, they don't work either. So what are you going to do with all this stuff in your hopes, dreams, and desires box? Are you, you going to ignore it? You can't ignore it because if you ignore it, your relationship just becomes unhealthy and then you start pretending. And when you start pretending, that's no fun in a relationship. And the person with whom you're having a relationship is going to think that you're getting weird. And if you give and give and give and you never acknowledge what is in your heart and you never acknowledge the God-given hopes, dreams, and desires that are within you, eventually you're going to get tired and worn out and the relationship is going to be unhealthy because you aren't going to be healthy. And on top of that, ignoring your hopes, dreams, and desires in a relationship doesn't make the relationship any better. So you, you, you can't do that. Another option is that you stay busy. Just pour more time into work or golf or the kids more time into something that keeps you apart so that you just show up like roommates. But that's not what you got into this for. That's not fun, and it certainly doesn't model anything positive for your kids. So staying busy isn't the answer. Creating your own world isn't the answer. Not only does that is that not a good answer, but that one just sets you up for the third option, which is go find someone else. Now, if you're dating and you're just maybe a few weeks in or if you've been dating a while, but you're not engaged yet, you're just kind of moving in the direction of maybe being in a relationship at some point, and it dawns on you that hope, your hopes, dreams, and desires are nothing like the hopes, dreams, and desires of the person you're dating, then you should probably bail on that relationship. Listen to me. You date to mate. And what we're talking about here in terms of our hopes, dreams, and desires is very, very, very important. But if you're deep into a relationship, like engaged deep, or certainly if you're married, then getting out of a relationship, that's not going to solve anything, and here's why. Because wherever you go, there you are. I I know that's, that's pretty deep, but I'll say it again. Wherever you go, there you are. In other words, in whatever relationship you're in, you are the common denominator of that relationship. So simply swapping out the people, there's no guarantee that that's going to solve anything because you're still the same old girl or the same old guy that you used to be. And besides that, this box of hopes, dreams, and desires is a lot of weight for somebody else to carry around. And when one person can't fulfill your hopes, dreams, and desires, what makes you think that someone else is going to be able to do that for you? And besides that... When you meet this other person and it looks so much better, let me tell you something about them. They are on their best behavior. You don't know them. (laughs) And and when you first meet, you're both going to be on your best behavior. To really get to know you, they should talk to your husband. To really get to know you, they should talk to your wife or your fiance. Because isn't it true that we're all really on our best behavior when we're around someone new? And the problem with someone else is this. Finding someone else is so much easier than staying in a tough relationship. It feels fresh, and it feels exciting, and it feels new. But finding someone else is generally not the answer. Here's an observation, and and then I'll, I'll move on. People don't rush into a new relationship because they are eager to give their lives to someone. Okay, So to say it another way, the person that you're thinking about getting into a relationship with You're anxious for that new relationship because you're thinking wow I I just want to know what his or her hopes and dreams are and their desires are I need a new relationship so that I can help someone else fulfill their hopes dreams and desires That's not why you're looking for someone new And by the way, that's not what they're looking for either Let's be honest People jump into relationships to get something that they aren't getting We're hoping that some Thing or or someone will happen on something's going to happen on the inside that hasn't been happening We're hoping to get some of our hopes dreams and desires that we have not been getting fulfilled for a long long time We're hoping to get some of those things fulfilled. So be honest This isn't about giving of yourself. You are probably looking for someone From whom you can get all this stuff that you're not getting in your current relationship If that's kind of the way you're thinking that's probably why you're thinking that way And you should at least know that as you uh, are honest with yourself, you should at least acknowledge that. So so listen to me. In any dating relationship, but especially one where you're coming out of a divorce or a long-term relationship with somebody else, time is your friend. Take your time. Now, this is not intuitive. I know that. It isn't what we want to do. I know that. But is what I'm saying wise counsel? Yes, it is absolutely wise counsel. So in this new relationship, when you start feeling pressure to fulfill and to perform and to step it up, you probably need to hit the pause button. You may, need, may even need to hit the eject button. And if mama says you need to hit the eject button, you really ought to hit it because she knows, okay? She knows you and she knows. If two or three of your friends come along and they say hey girl, I I know he's really cute But we see some red flags here. Come on. You got to listen to that. You you need to pay attention to them You see just getting into a new relationship doesn't guarantee that anything changes Except the face and the addresses and maybe the complexity of the problem So back to what we were talking about here's really the question what in the world do we do? With the stuff in our hopes, dreams, and desires box. Well, in one, of Paul's, uh, in one of Peter's letters, he tells us, he picks up on this idea of putting others first. And he doesn't really use that phrase, mutual submission, that, that you looked at last week with Kyle. Peter uses a different term. So we're going to take a look at this passage and see if we can make it practical for us. So here's what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. All of you clothe yourselves. In other words, put on. In other words, this thing, what we're going to talk about, it should characterize who you are. You should be characterized by this. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. This is a general relationship principle that we are going to apply to romantic Relationships clothe yourselves with humility that means go small That means put others first that means go back to the end of the line Anytime there is a potential conflict. Here's what you're supposed to do. You should ask yourself What would a humble person do? now, let me just tell you this is an obnoxious question to be asking yourself on a regular basis Because often what a humble person would do is not what we would do and it's not what we want to do This is hard and you say Brett, you know, i'm not really all that humble. I know And and that's why we're asking this question and you may not be all that humble But you should at least know what a humble person does because in just a minute Peter is going to tell us Why he says that and when he tells us why you might just get interested What would a humble person do? And you may not do it. You may not do what a humble person would do, but you should at least ask the question. Now, let me tell you a little secret about humility. If if you start doing what a humble person does, you'll be humble. See, you you thought this was an an eternal thing, an, an internal thing, but it isn't. See, you read your mind. You know if you're arrogant. Everybody else just sees your actions. And actions, as we know, speak louder than words. So if you start doing what a humble person would do, then you'll be humble. This is a relational game changer. Stopping every once in a while and asking the question, what would a humble person do? I know what I'm geared to do. I know what I would normally do. I know how I feel I know what happened the last time. I know what my mama says, but but you just stop and say, but if I were going to go to the end of the line in this relationship, if I were going to put someone else first, what would that look like in this circumstance? What would a humble person do? Now, before you just reach up and turn me off and shut me down, listen to how Peter finishes this statement. He says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because okay in other words why peter why humility he says because god opposes the proud what yeah what would a humble person do in other words do you really want to be in opposition to god peter says that god pulls back from people that he has somehow determined that that they're not humble Peter says God pulls back from proud people, that he somehow leans away from or he leans back from proud people. And before you judge God too harshly, isn't that what we do as well? I mean, you're not drawn to arrogant people, are you? Don't, don't you resist and resent arrogant people, demanding people, people who are always trying to squeeze out of you what they can what they can get out of you for their benefit And they only think about themselves, and they really think about how, they don't really think about how it impacts you. Look what he says. But God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Actually, that word favor there, a better translation for that is the word grace. He shows grace or favor to the humble. Now, Now, this is an extraordinary promise, and in English, it's a little more difficult to see how this is a promise. But Peter says, that when you humble yourself in a relationship, it is an invitation for God to give you the strength you need and the power you need to maintain and to do the right thing. Because humility is an invitation to God. You see, humility, when we go small, when we go to the back of the line or we put others first, it is an invitation to God to do something extraordinary in our lives and in our relationships. Peter goes on, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Not under God's mighty hand like he's going to crush you or or like he's going to kill a fly or something like that. Not that way. But to be under God's mighty hand is to be under the canopy of his protection and under the canopy of his authority. He says when when you go humble, you are basically backing into the safest place you could be because God leans into the humble. God leans toward the person who says, what would a humble person do? When you want to power up and get demanding and defend, and you say things like, nope, I I don't want to do all that stuff. Instead, just ask a humble, what would a humble person do? And then just do that. And not only are you under God's mighty hand, but he is about to say you are also in God's mighty hand. So it's not only that you're under authority and it's not only in protection, it is in a place where when God is ready, he can do something extraordinary for you, which brings us to the second promise. Humble yourselves, therefore, this is verse six, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time because you are in his mighty hand. God, I've done the humble thing. I've done the submissive thing. I've done the other's first thing. I've placed myself in your mighty hand. And God says, when the time comes, when the time is right, you have put yourself in a position where I can lift you up. Now, you hear all this and you think to yourself, okay, Brett, you're a preacher and I'm sure that this makes perfect sense to you, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Brett, what what does this even mean? See, I think when peter was writing this this made perfect sense to him because of the context and the culture that he was in But it's possible that peter's writing this and he's thinking to himself. Okay This is probably way over everybody's head. So I need to explain exactly what i'm talking about What does it mean to go humble and what does it mean to put others first and to rest under god's mighty hand? What does that look like? And it is here that peter gets really practical Peter, what does it look like? Verse 7. Cast all your anxiety, all your frustrations, all your he said, she said, all your I always thought and I always dreamed it would be, and they promised. Cast all your anxieties on him. In other words, this is an invitation for you to unload on God. He's saying, look, instead of trying to get the one you're in love with to carry all this stuff around, Peter says, I want you to cast it. I want you to fling it toward your heavenly father. All your anxieties, all your cares, all your frustrations, all your unfulfilled dreams, all your he promised and she said, Peter says, before you take it to them, take it to him. Cast all of it on your heavenly father. Now here's where you're gonna struggle with this, so I'm I'm gonna push a little bit right here. You've got to stop praying polite prayers Don't pray polite prayers Don't pray formal prayers I spend time with a lot of people I I talk to them and I hear them say things like Brett I don't really pray. I don't I don't really know how to pray to which I would say. Yes, you do (laughs) Yes, you do now. How do I know that? See here's what you need You need to pray honest prayers and everybody knows how to pray an honest prayer you may have never prayed one because you were afraid or because you were taught and memorized prayers when you were a kid and it may be the only prayers that you've ever prayed are The kind that you pray while you're behind the steering wheel or the kind that you pray while you're putting on your makeup or went before a meal But Peter says okay forget all that. I'm talking about some different kind of prayers here I want you to get honest in fact when it comes to praying about this kind of stuff these hopes Dreams and desires that we've all got in our hopes dreams and desires box. You need to get on your knees By yourself you say well Brett that's weird. Yeah, I I told you part of this is gonna be weird You need to be on your knees. Do you know why? You need to be on your knees because being on your knees demonstrates humility. And in some cases, if you're desperate, you need to raise your hands. You know why you need to raise your hands? Have you ever watched a, a little child when it's around adults? You ever watched little children when, when they, when they want to be picked up or when someone is reaching down to them? They always lift their hands up. They, they raise their hands. They're saying, I'm dependent on On you. I need you. And you say, Brett, why can't I just find a comfortable chair? I mean, Brett, is the posture of prayer really all that important? To which I would say it is very important, and here's why. Because your brain is connected to your body, and your body is connected to your brain. And your posture sends a signal to your mind, and your mind is sending signals to your body. You you know this. Bob Goff Wrote a book called love does it's a highly popular book. I would I would recommend it to you And and bob was an attorney for many years and when he was doing depositions uh, With his clients, you know as they were getting ready to be deposed This is the advice that he would give them. He'd say when we get in there I want you to sit at the table. I want you to put your hands in your lap I want you to rest your arms on your knees and I want you to open your hands and do not close your hands because it is virtually impossible to be defensive with your hands open. See, what, what happens to our hands when we start getting defensive? What do we do? We, we start to clench our fists. See, there, there's, there's something about your posture, and when you decide, I'm going to get into the habit of casting all my hopes and dreams and desires on my Heavenly Father— you should be in a posture of prayer that signifies submission. And if it is a really difficult or a really tough decision, you may need to lift your arms because lifting your arms is a sign of desperation. Peter is saying, look, you're going to take all this energy somewhere. Start with your heavenly father. Not the guy down the hall, not the woman in the kitchen, not the, not the, 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 the man that you're, you're lying next to in bed that you're mad at. Pray this prayer out loud. See, I I told you that this would be weird, but, but let me tell you something. I'll bet that you know somebody who could basically say, it was in those prayers of desperation, it was in those moments when I was on my knees that I found the strength to carry on and the strength to endure and the ability to take one more step. I found the strength on my knees in the small place so that i could experience the peace of god and the presence of god and the power of god in difficult times now i don't know if you if you realize this or not but when we're, we're we were reading earlier from peter's letter there there were some quotation marks peter did not make this whole thing up he actually lifted uh, part of this from one of david's psalms written hundreds of years earlier some of you would say well brett I, you know i don't know how to pray oh I think you do see if you've ever lost your temper temper, you know how to pray if you've ever been mad you know how to pray if you've ever told someone off then you know how to pray that's part of what praying is the disciples would watch Jesus Uh, he would he would go away and he would pray and and they would say you know I, I don't think we're doing this right You have to understand, these were good Jewish boys who had memorized all kinds of prayers. But they would watch Jesus pray, and they would say, you know, that's just different. That's different than the way I was taught, and and he does it differently than the way I was taught to do it. Their praying, and the praying that Jesus was doing was so different that one day they were compelled to go to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray, which means we've been praying But we don't pray like you, and we, honestly, we don't think we're doing it right. And all these years later, Peter says, okay, I learned a few things about prayer. One of the things I've learned is unload on your heavenly Father. Cast, throw, fling it all at him. So Peter lifts this little phrase out of the Psalm of David. So what I want to do real quick is I want to read the Psalm where he got this, because It's a great example of of what we're talking about. Now, David has been called a warrior poet. David was a king. He's a warrior. He's been covered in the blood of his enemies. He's been a shepherd. David was an adulterer. He's forgiven. He is a father. He is a grandfather. David was all these things. And time after time after time, David would recenter himself on his relationship with God. And David would write his prayers. And his prayers were kind of like journals and, and, and prayers and rants all mixed together. And the thing that I love most about the way David writes scripture is when David, you know, what I love about David is that the scriptures call him a man after God's own heart. So here is an example of what I'm talking about relative to David. This is David. This is what David says in Psalm 55. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it if a foe were rising against me I could hide but it is you a man like myself my companion my close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God in other words we used to go to church together with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers David is talking about a a really close friend here. Verse 15, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead for evil finds lodging among them. Woo. (laughs) I mean, are you allowed to say stuff like this to God? That'd be the question I'd have for David. I mean, are you really allowed to talk like that? Do you know what the modern-day equivalent is of what David is saying, you know what it is? This is what, this is what David's saying, to hell with them. That, that's what that means, to hell with them. You say, Brett, wait, 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 wait. I can't, I can't pray like that. No, you can. You just never have. You've talked to your friends like that. You've talked to yourself like that. But you've never talked to God like that. David keeps going. As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Now, check this out. Not behind the wheel, not when I'm at work, not when I'm putting on my makeup. Evening, morning, and noon. Evening, morning, and noon. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears, he he doesn't hear my thoughts, he hears my voice. David said, sometimes I'm so desperate, and Frustrated I pray three times a day and I pray loud and they are not polite prayers And as a result verse 18 he rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me David says it's like a war Even though many oppose me verse 19 God who is enthroned from old who does not change He will hear them and humble them because they have no fear Of God in other words God is gonna get my enemies verse 20 my companion attacks his friends he violates his covenant in other words he broke his promise he said she said they promised I thought we didn't we agree he violates his covenant he is such a talker you know she's such a good negotiator they always win the argument David says in verse 21 His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. You hear somebody say, oh, you know, she's so sweet. And you're like, no, she's not sweet. You don't know what I know. Let me tell you what they did. You should see what he's like at home. If you knew what they did to me, you wouldn't think that. You hear somebody say, you know, he's so sharp or she's so gentle. And you go, no, that's an act. You should see the way they are at home. Words, you should see him use words. David says his talk is smooth as butter, soothing as oil, but behind all that are drawn swords. And then David kind of regathers himself and he makes this statement, a statement that Peter will lift out and use in his letter in the New Testament. Verse 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. But you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days. See, this is David praying. Let me ask you, does that sound like a nice prayer? Does that sound like a polite prayer? You know what that is? That's honest. Have you ever prayed like that? I know you've unleashed hell on your husband or your wife or your fiance, but have you ever talked to God that way? And you're thinking, you know, I don't know that I really could talk to God that way. Listen, if you've never been that honest with God, then you've never really opened your heart completely to God. He doesn't want polite. He wants you. That's part of humility. It is heart wide open. It is God, this is me. This is all of me. I'm just going to let you see it. God, I'm so frustrated. I'm so fed up. I'm so done. I'm so over it. God, I wish I'd never met him. I wish I'd never married her. I wish I'd never slept with him. God, I'm just so over it. I need you because I don't know what to do. God, I need you. And look, I understand some of you didn't have permission to be that honest when you were growing up. You know, your dad looked at you and he said, don't you talk to me that way, young man. This is going to be hard for you. Listen, when my kids had something to say, they knew they could say it to me. God invites that kind of honesty with me, and I invited that kind of honesty with my kids. Listen, think about it as a parent. Wouldn't you rather that your kids bring all of that to you fearlessly and let it all out than to take that somewhere else and to someone else? But here's the best part of all, and it's powerful, and if you've been away from church for a while you're, and you're skeptical, I, look, I get that. I, I'm not critical of you. Uh, you know, we are where we are in a lot of circumstances because of our upbringing and our education and our experiences and our understanding. I, I get that. But, it, but it, if you're the least bit open, this next part is gold. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter says this, Cast your anxiety on him. Why, Peter? Because he cares for you. That's why. The reason you can bring it, the reason he is not offended, the reason he is not going to shut you down is because he cares for you. See, if it's important to you, it's important to your Father in heaven. That's how good fathers are, right? I mean, if it's important to you, it's important to your Father in heaven because you are important to your Father in heaven. And Peter saw this in Jesus. I mean, he really saw it because there at the end, Peter was exactly like the friend in the psalm that David wrote. He had spent three years with Jesus, Peter had. And he saw it all. He did it all. He saw. He walked on water. He did the whole deal. And at the end, he betrays his friend Jesus. And in the end, Jesus took him back. And Jesus didn't just take him back. He put Peter in charge of the whole thing. Peter knew. God can handle it. You are invited to bring it. You're invited to bring your entire box of hopes, dreams, and desires. And and if you're going to unload this somewhere, your Heavenly Father would say, start with me. Start with me. Get on your knees every day and just give me your list. Give me your box of hopes, dreams, and desires. Give me your expectations. Give me your disappointment. Give me your heartbreak. Give me all the things that they promised and that are just really not working out. Bring them to me every single day because that is an expression of humility and humility is an invitation to god to do something remarkable but i'm just going to warn you the first remarkable thing god does will not be in the person down the hall it will not be the person that you're upset with it will not be the person with whom you you are very tempted to cast all these hopes dreams and desires the first remarkable thing god does he will do in you In fact, you'll begin to see this box of hopes, dreams, and desires differently. And you'll begin to see some things in this box differently. And there's a pretty good chance that you'll even take some things out of the box. You you may discover that you've been trying to wring something out of your husband or your wife or your fiancé that was never in them to give in the first place. They weren't created to give it to you. And you may discover that you both really hope for and dream of and wish for the very same things. But the same thing will never happen as long as you're taking it to them first. God says, look, no more happy prayers. No more polite prayers. Just bring it to me. Happy couples know that hopes, dreams, and desires quickly become expectations. And happy couples know that the other person doesn't owe them anything. Happy couples know that it is a submission competition and it is a race to the back of the line. And happy couples know that sometimes you have to throw things. You have to cast your cares on him. And there's one other thing that happy couples know and next week our youth pastor Ryan Persh is going to talk about that. Let's pray together. God, it is so tempting for us much of the time to to want to expect from other people, to take these things in our hopes, dreams, and desires box and to, to fling them at someone else and expect them to make those things happen. But, but what we've learned today from David and from Peter is that we should first start with you. That, that in, in far too many cases, we're, we're praying prayers that are f- way too polite. And Lord, I know we do it that way because we respect you and we don't want to disrespect you. But what we miss in that is that we are in an open, honest relationship with you. And when you're in an open, honest relationship with someone, you tell them what's on your mind and heart. You're honest with them. And so, Father, as we now try this week to be honest with you, to, to, to cast these hopes, dreams, and desires, sometimes in frustration, we will not always pray polite prayers. But we are going to try to pray honest prayers. And Father, it is my prayer that as we do that, that you will meet us there and we will find relief that we've been looking for and that you will be able to do something in us before you do anything in anyone else. Lord, we we would invite you to do a work in us before we would expect anything to happen anyplace else. Father, we love you you are amazing and awesome and we worship you in these moments and it is in the name of jesus we pray amen